Open your Bibles up to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, then we're going to get to Matthew, and just, you know, real quickly, but let me first start by reading this, this verse that we've been looking at here for the last several weeks. Now to you, this is 1 Peter 2, 7, first part of the verse, now to you who believe this stone is precious, and he is, of course, talking about Jesus, the chief cornerstone, and he is the, the stone that, is, that sets this whole building in order. And we are uh, additional stones, all of us being knit together and shaped and, and chipped away so that we can fit nicely together. That's what I'm trying to do there. And uh, a little awkward just for a bit, but... but uh, we're, we're all, and, and it is awkward sometimes when we're being chipped a bit to get fit together, if you know what I mean. So treasuring Jesus is what we want to be doing in all of our lives and uh, making sure that he is the absolute priority uh, in our lives. And our first allegiance is to him above every other thing. And so we've been talking about establishing uh, priorities. Uh, and this is the last little piece of that uh, series. And so... What I was going to do, so far we've talked about the personal priority, and uh, we talked about spending time with Jesus and some and, uh, prayer and fasting, going into that little window of prayer and fasting that we had as a church. Then last week we talked about the family priority, and uh, we had some great interviews up here, talked with a number of people, and, and uh, that, was, that was pretty cool, on, on uh, just how to do the family uh, piece. And I was going to do the daily priority today and talk about work and time and money. That sounds like it'd be good, good to do. But uh, as I started thinking about that, I realized there was a missing piece in it. And, I wanted, and then I started thinking about the, the weekly uh, priorities. The, the daily priority made me think about sleep. Anybody ever <laughs> sleep an issue? At least it is when you get in your... 50s, let's I've, di- I've discovered. Maybe in my late 40s I started. Um, any younger people? <laughs> That's right. That was right. He's like, yeah. 50s, whoa. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, so, it, yeah, it made me think about it on the daily basis, and then, and then on the weekly, I almost call it the weekly part, because I started thinking, you know what, there are rhythms to the way we do life in the course of a week, and we need some, you know, there's work, and there's play, and there's, but there needs to be rest as well, and it's the rest thing that I want to, I'm going to talk about all of those things, but I'm calling this the life rhythm priority, finishing up this little priorities Peace. Next, next week we're going to be starting on the mission of Jesus, the year of the Lord's favor is what we're calling it. But I want to just finish here on the, talking about rhythms for just a little bit. If you would, flip over to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through, verses 28 through 30, Matthew 11. And uh, because Jesus has a word for us in our culture that is... Uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't have all the, the sources and stuff, but I had a number of people talking to me. When I started saying about what we were going to talk about, I had a number of people say, well, did you know that, uh, yeah, we work a lot in the United States. We have a working culture. We just passed up Japan for how much we work compared to the Japanese. You know, and, and the Japanese literally have a word for worked 
to death. Like we have to say the three words, but they have a word for it, worked to death. So maybe we'll eventually come up with a word for that. But that's kind of sobering, isn't it? You know, and, and so uh, the, the, the Germans, I heard, work 35 hours a week on average. We work like 41 plus on average. But, uh, and a lot of people work a lot more than that, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I would be in that category for sure. And so, uh, but the Germans work 35 and they take, get six weeks vacation a year. They take six weeks off a year. Anybody doing some of that action? And catch this. Their economy is more productive per... per there, there's some way they figure this out where it's more productive than our, ours is working more. Germans are good about a lot of stuff, by the way. And if you've ever just been isolated and never gone anywhere when you get over... I remember one of my first trips to Germany and I was like in a bathroom or something and, and the, the windows do different stuff and they fold out and, and I was like at first it bothered me but then I was like you know what this is this is a pretty good idea <laughs> you know so uh, so I, I'm doing a little setup here for talking about building rest into our lives y'all didn't figure I was going to talk about this did you so uh, and, and then some of you guys are like are you even qualified <laughs> to talk about this uh, yeah so I'm preaching I I'm saying words, but I am receiving with you what we're talking about today. So here we go. Jesus says, Matthew 11:28, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." What a great promise. Come on, Lord. Come to me. And that's what we need to do. That's what we've been saying in this series on priorities. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Lord, would you just do that in our lives? You know, so Jesus is calling us. You know, part of following him is not a frantic burn it out, candle both ends, stay up late, get up early, you know, and then we die from anxiety and stress-related illnesses at, you know, an early age. So, Jesus is saying, come to me. When you're tired, you're burned out, you're weary, you're burdened, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, one of the things you get, and I, you know, I think about Jesus and it's like, you know, I mean, he could heal people, he could raise people from the dead, crowds gathered around him, and he still had this rhythmic kind of life where he would pull away, get some rest. Hey, come on, guys, let's go go up on the mountain, or let's go get away, let's get on the boat and get out of here for a little bit. And so there's this rhythm kind of thing that he's exemplifying as being really important. One time he was asked, Matthew chapter 22, verses... 37 to 40, he was asked, what is the most important thing of all? And you guys know this. These are our core values as a, as a church. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
So love God, love, and we kind of break out the, the last two there, love one another, talking about the church, and love those who don't yet know Christ. So that's, that's everybody. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the, that's the two-part two two version of that. And so, you know, if you think about, wow, all the law and the prophets, everything that's been said just kind of boiled down into this one statement. That's pretty powerful. And yesterday at Frontline, which is our leadership training time for the life group leaders, um, Paul Coulter, who, is he in this service? Um, is he probably be in the next service? So, Paul Coulter was sharing something that it's, it's ours, I just, but I hadn't gone through it in a while, because we actually wrote it, the U.S. overseers for Antioch wrote these things down about a year and a half ago. I remember being in the meeting when we did it, but I hadn't gone over it and thought about it. He said, I keep this by my Bible where I meet with the Lord in the morning. And I was like, okay, I need to, and I want to just flash these up, and I want you to, to meditate on this, and we'll put this up on the website John will help get these up. But, uh, so love God. These are character values. Character values. And so just real quickly, look at these. We encounter God through daily devotion. We want to spend time with the Lord. So we want to, this is part of what loving God means. We are committed to the truth of God's Word. We live and walk by the Spirit. The Spirit, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit a lot this year. That's a word the Lord's given us to spend time on focusing on what is the reality of the Spirit's work in our lives so that when somebody something rattles you or you get your cage rattled, on, you, you, you are standing on solid ground. And nobody can take away the experience of God in your life by the Holy Spirit. We choose obedience even when it hurts. We walk in holiness. We consider family our first priority. We persevere in prayer and we honor God with our finances by working diligently, living simply, and giving generously. So that gives us some handles on the love God piece. We want to live that way. We want to live, we want to be people that like Jesus is saying, love God, you know, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Those are character values. The second piece then of our values is to love one another. And these are relationship values. And this is we honor others in person and behind their backs. It's a relational value that we love people and so we honor them whether they're there or whether they're not. We choose humility by focusing on Him and them above ourselves. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of others. We are committed to a relational culture. Amen. Man, I, this, this is good for my soul reading it. We embrace brokenness. Not just you're broken, but I'm broken. We're on a journey. And the Lord's healing us. and Making things whole and right in our lives. We live authentic lives in this relational value piece that, of loving one another. We always forgive. Can we just say that together? We always forgive. For, forgiveness, it's not optional. It, it's just not even optional. Not as followers of Jesus Christ. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Period. There is no way to health, live in a happy life, a joyful life, period, apart from, for, from forgiveness. So, there. We keep a teachable heart. I want to be a learner. I want, I want this 
people to be learners, you know, love one another. Those are relationship values. The third piece then is loving those who don't know Jesus. And these are ministry values. This is how we want to order serving one another and, and people that don't know. We commit to discipleship through intentional investment in others' lives as our main ministry. We want to be disciples and we want to help other people in that journey of becoming disciples who will then help other people who will help other people. 2 Timothy 2.2, right? We pursue evangelism from our immediate sphere of influence to the unreached and the unengaged. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the, other, uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are committed to the local church. We choose timeless principles over passing fads. We care for the poor. We embrace diversity. We bless the larger body of Christ. Now, those are ideals. And nobody's walking in these perfectly. I'm not. But I, I want this. I want to grow in this. I want to grow in what it means to love those who don't know Jesus. I want my life to be about that. I want my time and my money to show that that's what I'm ordering my life around. Okay? Now, that was just... Uh, I just wanted to throw that in because when we say, you know, Jesus is calling us to Himself, calling us to a place of rest... And when he tells us what's the most important thing, love God, love one another. Now, in order to do that, now I'm bringing in the rest piece. Turn in your Bibles back to, because he says it sums up the Law and the Prophets, and probably the most famous section of the Law would, of course, be the Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments. And what's going on right in the middle, smack in the middle of the Ten Commandments, so basically, the, the Ten Commandments are structured like this. You've got three commandments that are about God. This other commandment. We're going to kind of tie these things together. And then six commandments about people. So, three commandments that really have to do with loving God. You know, having no other gods, no idols, not speaking it, you know, in, uh, the, taking God's name in vain. The Sabbath. And then... Six commandments about people. You know, honor your father and mother. It's family. Don't commit murder. Jesus kind of reinterprets that. Don't hate. Don't commit adultery. He reinterprets that. Don't, don't lust. Um, don't tell lies. Don't give false testimony. Don't covet. All those are people things. Loving people. Love God, love people. But what's right in the middle of it? Let's read it together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day, keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Okay, so, you know, there's a, there's a picture here in, in, uh, of and what I'm trying to do is what is the place of this, this, uh, this, this day of rest, this idea of rest that we get on a daily basis at night and then on a weekly basis by taking time on one of the days of the week, could be Saturday, could be Sunday, 
You know, sometimes it's kind of Friday for me. That's part of my issue is sometimes it's kind of just being, just being honest about it. But there's something that happens in our rest as we reflect on loving God and loving others. There's insight that comes. There's revelation that comes. I'm not so much... I, people argue about, about legalistic stuff and all that. I, I'm, that's not even what I'm talking about at all. I'm just saying we, we need to consider making this more a part of our lives. And the rhythm, and especially in the U.S. I mean, those are some the shocking stuff about, you know, uh, Lord bless the Japanese. But our, our understanding is that then they've always worked harder than us, and they don't know when to stop. And they got a, they got a word that means work to death. You know? And so here we are in need of something, some help ourselves. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say this morning. In 2015, Jesus is calling us to follow Him into healthy rhythms in life that will sustain us over the long haul. Who's in for that? Okay, so let's look at these, these three pieces here. Rest, work, and play. I'm going to spend most of the time on the, the first one here, uh, rest. So, in the Jewish mind, because of even the way the creation story is told, day one happens... And it was evening and morning the first day. Day two happens, it was evening and morning the second day. Evening and morning the, the third day. You, you get the idea. So even, the, even today, the, uh, the Sabbath starts when? Friday night at 6. And they light the Shabbat candle, right? And so, uh, so that's the start. Evening and morning is kind of the rhythm there. And so there's this built-in, even on a daily uh, basis, rest is built in as a priority into the day. You know, and, and, and we wake up like, grab it by the neck and take it down. <laughs> Something like that. Again, not in the notes. But I, you know, it's just this, ah, you know, we're going to suck the marrow out of, you know, and it's going to be how much can we get done and do and doing and did and, and, the ledger, you know, you know, and checks and all that to-dos. <laughs> He's not looking at me. <laughs> Mr. Check the Box, right? But uh, that's, you know, we, we think that way. How many of you guys would say you're pretty good at rest? How many of you guys know how to take a Sabbath? Really do that. Okay. How many of you guys feel guilty about taking a Sabbath? I'm raising my hand on that. Yeah. So, what is a good Sabbath? You know, what, what's a good one look like? Up early, quick, slam some food down because the kids got a soccer game over and wherever. Hustle back because the other one's got a basketball game. Uh, hurry up and get to the TV set because TCU's playing. Yeah, and then we. Uh, to take a quick 10-minute nap because we're falling over, tired, and go out to dinner with some friends that we felt obligated that we needed to do uh, the, on praise God. <laughs> Sabbath. Uh, yeah, glory to God. I think there's more. I, so this week, you can tell where my heart is at. I was reading a book 
by this guy named Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament guy. And he did a great little study on, uh, on the Sabbath. And uh, the book's called Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. And uh, yeah, it's convicting, you know, for me, a lot of different ways. And one of the main things he does that I think was interesting is he contrasts the, the Israelites under the slavery and oppression of Pharaoh. Just more, 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 produce, produce, produce to the consumer market economy driven deal that we, we all live in. We're a part of it, you know, so it's not, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a, even saying it like that and making the comparison helps us to kind of wake up a little bit. That's all I'm trying to say. You know, it's not, we can't, you know, it's like, don't go buy anything. But, but there, is a, there is a part of our culture that is kind of like Pharaoh to us, where it's, you know, buy, consume, produce. You know, what are you doing? What, how far up the ladder are you? You know, and there's this intense pressure that, you know, just is enough. What is enough? And is it ever enough? I remember... <clears throat> My best friend in college got in a lot of trouble with him, and uh, but he had done his uh, doctorate in accounting and econometrics, and uh, and was uh, Wall Street was they were trying to hire him for Wall Street, or he had this other opportunity to go teach at Georgetown. And uh, one was like hundred grand, three months off. I was like, dude. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. And then the Wall Street deal was three times that, or you know, two and a half times that. And uh, and I I just remember, and not even like I had deep wisdom or anything, but I said, well, hey, you know, Scott, how how much is enough? You know, because they were going to work him to death over here, and he ended up going the teaching route. He's still teaching. It's at the University of Kansas now. But uh, how much is enough? And in, in this system, it's kind of like a, a slave-driving kind of deal. And so the Sabbath, when done right, stands as a resistance to things with that, that are connected with that driven way of life, where it's buy, buy, buy. You know, even in some of our biggest crises, you know, I, I remember one time, it's like, the best thing you can do right now is go, go shopping. You know, it's that idea, just let's keep things going, because our, our deal is the economy, right? And uh, so, and again, I want it to work right. I want the economy to work right. I'm not saying sub- subverting that. It's just, it's just how does it enslave us, and how do we resist that? And wake up to it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, because this driven thing over here is a place where, kind of like Pharaoh with the Israelites, where God really isn't in charge in our lives. And if we just get sucked into just doing this deal and being consumed by, by the, the, the world, the marketing strategies, all that kind of stuff around us. So Sabbath is kind of a resistance to that. It's a resistance to the anxiety that comes with that. Anybody want to resist? I want to kind of push back against anxiety. 
Somebody say, yes, Lord. Amen. It's, it's a resistance to coercion, where we're being coerced for, to more, 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 more. Sabbath is, it really is a resistance to that idea. I mean, again, think of it. The Israelites, they were slaves, and they come out of slavery, this constant harassment for more and work quotas and all that kind of stuff, and God takes them across the Red Sea through the desert and gives them this command to take one day and do nothing. You know, just uh, be off, right? So it's resistance to uh, exclusivism, uh, Brueggemann would say. Resistance to exclusivism. And because when you think about the Sabbath stuff, part of it is it's being concerned about the foreigners and the aliens who are in your midst. And that's a good, that's a good word for us. You know, we want to resist things that hold people out from getting in on the good thing that we have here in our midst, which is Jesus Christ. It's resistance, uh, and this one I just massively like conviction, resistance to multitasking. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm just like, it's like guilty. Whew, you know, part of the reason I work out I'm just being honest right now. It's not so that I'll be in shape. It's so that I can listen to messages that I want to listen to. So I'm kind of doing it like somebody was, some people were trying to talk to me yesterday. I was working out. It was intense. It just the yelling and all that stuff I was doing. Um, but some people were trying to talk to me, and, and she was really trying to be nice, uh, Carrie. And, and uh, she's trying to be nice, and I... I finally, I figured out she was trying to talk to me, but I'm multitasking. I'm, I'm listening to a message, and I have to undo stuff and, you know, all that. And just missing out on some life. And, you know, I said that. I'm kind of down on my phone right now. It's embarrassing. You know, I, because I've been reading this stuff, uh, Friday, I was really trying to do, have more of a Sabbath mentality. And it, it, what was embarrassing was how often I reached for my phone during the course of the day. And I would I'd check the weather, check the thing, check the thing. And I just was, I'd set it down. You know, I just, I just feel all alone right now. <laughs> completely, completely vulnerable. So practically, what might this, this look like? If we're going to take a Sabbath, what might this look like? Let me just give you a couple thoughts. When I'm doing well, I mean, there's been, again, this is not happening all the time. I can tell you some days where it has worked well, you know. Some times where we'll, you know, do something special ourselves and it's got a little bit more of a, a spiritual feel to it. When I'm doing well, I spend time with the Lord and first thing in the morning and I'll spend extra time in the Scriptures and uh, I might read a bit of a spiritual book, and that be until noon. Just kind of some time with me and Jesus until noon. Uh, but when I'm, when I'm not doing well, what happens is I use that time to do all the things that I didn't get done during the course of my week because I packed it out so much with different whatever. Well, nobody's fault, just that, you know. And... Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And so, uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, y'all ever heard of Eugene Peterson? 
so he, 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 uh, he, I've been reading this little book at the request of a guy who I've been meeting with. His name's Dr. Jim Reynolds from over at Lake Highlands Church in Dallas. And uh, he said, Jimmy, I think you need to re- read Working the Angles. Well, I, I read that book 20 years ago, couldn't remember what was in it. It was written in 87. And uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, Working the Angles, it's about pastoral ministry. And uh, one of the things he tells is, is a story about him and what he does on his Sabbath and how intent he is about keeping that Sabbath no matter what. They keep rain jackets in their car because they're going to do their Sabbath, and this is what they do. They drive 15 to 60 minutes away from their house, 15 to 60 minutes, and they go to a little park where there's a river, where there's some little foothill, foothills, and they walk for the entire morning and they don't, say, they don't say anything this whole time. Zero words. Could you imagine, Mike? Just, just <laughs> no words. Just, and they're walking, and they're looking, and they're thinking, and they're, they're quiet. They're, they're practicing the discipline of silence, the spiritual discipline of silence. And so then at lunch, just at, whenever they get ready, they pack a lunch, and they take it, and then they have lunch, and then they, can, they thank the Lord, and, they, they, and then, they, then they start talking, and they can talk all the way back. But that's just their rhythm. And again, that's not just the only way of doing it, but man, that's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. You know, I, you know, Kim and I were going, we went to Cleveland State Park recently, and I'm trying to imagine us driving over there. <laughs> and me not talking. <laughs> I mean, like, wow, that's intense. Did you? <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I uh, just uh, use Todd as an illustration here. I think Todd, down through the years, has been, you know, it, this isn't a regular th- thing in terms of weekly, but he's good about going and getting some time away, taking a morning, especially, you know, a hotel or, you know, somewhere, and just taking that morning time, and he always comes back with just more refreshed Lord speaking to, to him about stuff that concerns us all. It, I, I really appreciate that. And so, what would that look like in your world, you know, to, to do this? And uh, I feel like we're even just talking about it's healthy, you know. And again, it's not, you know, nothing legal here. This is for your life. It's for your soul, you know. The second piece, then, is uh, work. The second Second piece there for um, just for the rhythm thing is work. Again, some people struggle with rest. Other people struggle with work. You know, just maybe that's not as much of a a strength for you. But uh, I was talking with someone over uh, lunch. It was Jeremy. His uh, his dad broke his hip and wrist last night, and he's they got surgery this morning. So y'all pray for Jeremy, Jeremy's dad. But. uh, he said, Jamie, because I was talking to him about this Sabbath stuff, he goes, man, that sounds good, you know, but I can't just tell my boss, you know, he's like director of marketing for Chuck E. Cheese, I can't tell the president or the vice president, whoever he reports to, that, uh, you know, what I'll do and won't do. And that's true. I mean, I, I get that. And we, we talked about that a bit. But I think that there is hope and vision in the idea of Sabbath and rest. And on a couple different fronts, I think it will help us set boundaries that just get built into our lives that are appropriate. I also think 
that it, if that God's got, got, God's on to something. That's what I was going to say. Of course, He's on to something. But the the point is that we there's there's some there's renewal, and there's there's healthy good stuff that comes when we practice rest, you know, in our lives, and it, it's going to even affect our work. What would happen if we lived out of the rest of the Sabbath in our workplaces, you know, setting appropriate boundaries in life and work? What would happen in our work? What would happen to our joy level? At work, I mean that that issue might change a lot of how much we get done. Just the enthusiasm and the joy level that we take to what we do. I mean, that's one. I love working with Brian because Brian brings a certain level of joy to the office, you know, and it's it's refreshing, you know, to not everybody just not be heads down all the time. So I I like that. what about what, what would what would we bring in terms of a, a favor, you know, to because we're walking with the Lord, just more of the, uh, you know, His favor is on us, but we do increase our understanding and the capacity to walk in that favor and blessing. Every spiritual blessing has been given us in Christ, but I can I can certainly fluctuate on how much of that I'm experiencing in my life, right? So, uh, then the third piece. So, rest, work, and play. What does play look like? What does it look like to be playful? Do you think this is important in this whole conversation? One of the things Peterson said was, he said, it's important for us to be prayerful and playful. If you're just prayerful, you know, Something's, something's going to be missing from, from your life, a certain kind of joy. And uh, these things are all intertwined. Rest, work, play, spiritual, prayerful, playful. And uh, because we're, and I'm going to just say because we're human, there's a need to, to enjoy, to, there, to be, you know, it's like Ecclesiastes. There's there's an ebb and a flow to life. There's a time to work and a time to play. There's a time to go hard and there's a time to rest. You know, all those are different seasons for us. And uh, uh, again, another little uh, book that I've had out this week was uh, The Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. Basically, he's got a neat little book. I, maybe I can write books like this one day where you put 100 pages together and you say one... Basically, this, this, this is the one thing he's saying is you're going to end up where you're headed. So I just summarized the whole, whole thing. You're going to end up where you're headed. You know, when people do really dumb stuff in life, they didn't set off to end up doing something really dumb in their marriage or whatever. But they started making choices where they were heading in a certain direction, and they ended up there. And so, for us, what I'm saying is, if we want to move down this trajectory of long-term health, grace, His peace, and we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and keep moving in His rhythms, His unforced rhythms of life, Jesus wanting to lead us into a healthy place and uh, just in our humanity. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life 
and have it to the full. Let me finish with this. Three, three kind of key pieces for, for walking in healthy rhythms in life. Looking to Jesus is the key, of course. But looking to Jesus with these three key commitments. Number one, I want to follow Jesus with my life. Okay? And so, this is how we start the journey. We say, Jesus, You are the Lord. You are the King. And I bow my knee to You. And that's how we start that journey, but that's also how we walk that journey. Okay? This is the way we do this on a daily basis. As much as we can by His grace, we do it even hourly, even, throughout the day. That's what's called abiding in Christ. So, this is, it's just practical. Taking it to the next step, that also means following Jesus with my time. Okay? So, all of this rest, work, play, Jesus being the Lord of life, it all kind of gets down to, is this really who I am? And I can tell really who I am. My values all get marked out in the way my calendar gets worked out and the way my money gets worked out. So that's the third piece. Following Jesus with my time and following Jesus with my money. And uh, so let, let me just say a word about, uh, about time, first of all, because this is, it's, it's, it gets practical. And uh, I've got just a minute here, but I, I want to tell a story. Um, you know, I remember, and so Emily's in this service. That's awesome. You know, I, you know, so when we were, uh, when Emily was little, she's 24 now, but when she was little, you know, what we realized is we're doing ministry. Our lives are busy. They're going pretty fast. And we couldn't do, we couldn't do everything. And she did like drama, you know, did a few plays and stuff. She was kind of theatrical, dramatic. <laughs> to say the least. And, uh, but, uh, you know, and she, we didn't do sports until seventh grade. You know, and you guys know she got a, ended up getting a scholarship to play basketball. But, uh, but, but we didn't do sports at all until seventh grade. And it's just, there was, for us, there was this priority thing happening in our, with our time. It's just, we had to make choices. And then, as she started playing more sports, there was this, temptation for us, they wanted to have her on Sundays for club things and whatnot. And we said, no, she can't do that. You know, and, uh, you know, it was hard because they would penalize her for not doing the, 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 the stuff. And their, her junior year, she did get to, she got a dr license and could drive to some of those things because that's where the college uh, coaches were at and all that. But it's just, I'm giving that like, Lord, and we're just praying all along the way, Lord, show us how to do this. How do, how do we do this? Lord, show us what to do, what to do, what not to do. You know, is this going to work? You know, and, and constantly, just for us, you don't have to do it the way the man, this, this culture of coercion over you don't have to do it that way. And, uh, and so, um, just follow the Lord. Follow Jesus in the way we use our time. And uh, I know that's sensitive. I'm trying to be pastoral and doing it. We didn't do it perfectly. And just, you know, so that help, kind of practical. And then the, the money piece, you know, again, it's just an expression of, of who we are, our values. Um, I want to just finish with this, this thought here. 
you know, when we follow Jesus like this, it is, it's the way that we recalibrate our lives to the things that are most important, walking in his rest, walking in his life. Um, Peterson, that guy that I, I was quoting earlier from Working the Angles, he did a translation of the Bible that's pretty cool in the 90s called The Message Translation. Spent a lot of time reflecting. He's a great pastor and was also a Hebrew-Greek scholar. But this is what he said about that passage that I started with. This is Matthew 11:28 to 30 in the message. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? You know, and, and you know, don't, it, it just, uh, the deal here is, it, it, we can, we can, we hear that, we hear religion, and we go, that's church. But it's something different than life-giving church when church is like God's plan A for what and how He's doing and where things are going on planet Earth. So, so you know, we have to get fresh ideas. This Sabbath thing is stuck in the middle of loving God and loving others. And God's way for us experiencing that is together. There's no other way to do it. The fullness of what He's doing is here. In the church, the, the, this is the body, the bride, the building. It's how we're being knit together. It's how we're growing up into maturity. You know? And Paul finishes all that stuff in Ephesians by saying, that's where the glory is going to be. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations. That's us forever and ever. Amen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Get out of that. Get in life. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what we're talking about today. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Lord, do it here. Help us establish these priorities in our lives. Do it in us, through us, in a way that touches other people for your namesake and for your honor and your glory.